Hello there, and welcome to Odessa First Assembly's weekly podcast, where we bring you the heart of our Sunday message. I'm Tony, your host and the face behind our digital ministry. We're excited to dive into today's sermon, exploring the Word of God together. So grab your coffee, find a comfy spot, and let's embark on this journey of faith. Without further ado, here's this week's sermon. So I want to do an emphasize about the uh, fundraiser um, every year. You know, we have so many youth events going on, and so everybody usually needs wrapping paper, and so it's a really easy thing to do. And so see one of our youth or Brian and Anne Marie, and they'll get you set up with that. And um, also, don't forget, we're still we need looking up for about ten more homes for um, Rock the Block. We're doing it a little different this year because of. Um, what's happening uh, with our with our sanctuary? And so after service, Angela mentioned um, is that last night we had a prayer meeting. We called it "Write the Vision," where we walked around the sanctuary and just prayed and wrote down dreams and scriptures and things like that. And so, if you would like to do that, we will have that open for you to do. And uh, it's not. And I, I just want to ask. It's not like just a, a sightseeing chit chat time. It is really about. Um, just asking the Lord his blessing upon that sanctuary, having a prayer time, and so, but you're welcome. There's markers, I think, right in front of the platform, right there on top, and so um, you can do that. You can write anywhere you want except the walls or the brick, please, because, well, the brick is brick, and um, the wall's already painted, so uh, just keep that in mind. All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, is where we're looking at in a series, Encounters with Jesus. We've been going through just looking at different places where the Lord encountered people and what we can glean from that and take from that. And so we'll be looking in Luke chapter 19. Um, I've been processing this one for a little while, and I'm, I'm excited about this morning. But let's, let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We just thank you for your work in this place, Lord, your your spirit at work in us. We pray that you would stir. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, move in our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I, one, of the favorite, one of my favorite things that uh, I did with the kids when they were little was play um, hide and go seek. And uh, we had a... We, we had a great house in Lubbock. We really did. We had a pretty large house, and um, I miss that house sometimes. And um, but the kids—it was so great for little kids because there were so many places to hide. And we'd kind of do a whole family hide and seek thing. And uh, but I think of all three of our kids, and I—it was—it's so good having all three of them here. Of course, Haley's always here, so <laughs> grateful for that. But having Shaley home from uh, Lubbock as a Kyle missionary and Chase home from Minnesota. So he had to come home to warm up for a few days. And uh, so glad, great to have him on the worship team. But I, you know, Shaylee, I think of all of them, she loved playing peekaboo. Peekaboo, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, she called it pea pie. And it was always amazing to me that I could hide my face and it was like, I didn't know hands could be that good of camouflage. Because, I mean, it seemed like to her, you really disappeared. I mean, but she would, we'd like to be in the store, 
And uh, she would want to play peepaw with everybody. It did not matter. I mean, it'd be some random person on the vegetable canal, you know, and Shayla would be like, peepaw, you know. <laughs> she loved it. And, um, uh, you know, and I, I always process that when it comes to us seeking the Lord. And this morning, I just want to share a few moments about Zacchaeus and, uh, and kind of really what I titled this sermon is Seek Him More. And I pull it from something I gained from my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law um, passed away some years ago of ALS, but there was something he always called in the story of Zacchaeus and the sycamore tree, he always called it the seek him more tree. And I always loved that. It just, it just kind of just really has always stuck with me. And so this morning we're going to talk about the seeking God more. And we see all kinds of things about Zacchaeus. You know, some years ago in the 80s and 90s, you know, there was a term that really came popular, and there was actually a lot of debate and arguing about this term, and, and it, it, it just incited strong feelings about in people, but it, it was called seeker-sensitive, and so there are all kinds of definitions and thoughts and arguments. I don't know if anybody remembers that term. It was kind of from Saddleback and Rick Warren and Bill Hybels and Willow Creek, and but I'm going to tell you, I, what I've always embraced about being seeker-sensitive is that I want to be a place that it doesn't matter if somebody comes in right off the street and doesn't know Jesus, if they're seeking, they're going to find him here. And that's what I want to be sensitive to. I want to be sensitive. If you've been in here and you've been saved for decades, that we are sensitive and and provide an atmosphere and a place, biblical teaching to, to pursue the presence of the Lord and seek after him. And so in that regard, I want to be a seeker-sensitive church. Whether somebody's lost or they've been a believer for a while. But let's look at it. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. You can read with me just nine, 10 verses. It says, talking about Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Does anybody remember last week's sermon? Well, I do. It was the rich young ruler. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Is, it, is a song going off in anybody's head right now? Zacchaeus, a wee little man. Okay. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree that we're going to call the Seek Him More Tree. To see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, talking about the religious crowd and the the crowd that was the throngs of people, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to your house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I love that story. And so simply, number one is this, is the, is the seek him more. 
And that is the title of the sermon, to, to seek him more. Uh, when we look at the scripture, verses 3 and 4, it says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he ran ahead, climbed into the sycamore tree, the seek him more tree, to see him. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. There was something that we know that had to get Zacchaeus' attention. I mean, it could have been something that happened right before this when Jesus was coming in on the other side of town was blind Bartimaeus being healed. I don't know if you remember that story. You know, there, there was, blind Bartimaeus was crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd was trying to quiet him. And, but the Bible says he cried out all the more. But what we see happen is the Lord touched Bartimaeus he receives a sight that's completely healed. So that's happening on the other side of town. And then here comes Jesus. So maybe he heard about that. Maybe he heard the clamor. Maybe, you know, somehow his interest was piqued. But regardless of what it was, it put him on a pursuit. And my, 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 I, I guess the only way to say it, my fear about our modern day church and mentality in society is we've really developed a microwave Christianity. We've really developed a, a, a worship services, you know, that has kind of get people going through. I mean, we've been in multiple services before, and maybe one day we, we will again. But I, I, as I process what's happening in our culture, I, I, I'm concerned about how much we're in pursuit of Jesus. But we see that Zacchaeus, he was, he was searching out I mean, we, and, and, you know, when, we, when, we, when we're going about seeking, I, I want you to get a hold of this. But, because that word, Zacchaeus was seeking, everybody say seeking. Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. That has a very specific meaning. That word, seeking. I don't know, you know, when I was little, um, I, I, man, I, my, you know, my mom would have to go shop. We lived in a small town. We lived in Big Lake. And so we had to go to town. You may have to go to town growing up. So we had to go to town, which was San Angelo, 70 miles away. We went to town to go shopping. And so many times I got drugged to uh, Bells and J.C. Penney's and Dillard's. And so I had this game I loved to play with my mom. I would get in the clothes racks, and I would hide. Did you ever do that? that you, you, get, you get in the clothes rack, and you, and you hide. And <laughs> as I was processing that what this biblical definition of seeking is, you see, what, what this means is that Zacchaeus was looking for something that he was missing. He was looking for something that he was missing. And so he's on this pursuit. And so part of seeking God is to find what is missing. Now, to seek, you know, to be a seeker, to to go off the presence of the Lord doesn't mean that you are, you know, missing something that you're incomplete, but we understand that in him is the fullness thereof. Are you following me this morning? And so without him, listen, we, we can have a lot of lack in our life, but to, to find what is missing, I, I, a memory popped up to my, I was thinking about it years ago when we were traveling, I was actually had preached a service at Midland First Assembly um, with Pastor Hanks there. And uh, afterwards, we go out to eat. And we go to um, Abuelos in the old location. Does anybody remember the Abuelos in Midland, the old location? 
And so it's in that shopping center kind of tucked away. And, uh, you know, we were visiting whatever. Uh, I can't remember if Kaylee was born yet. I think she might have been just a little baby. And But the next thing we know, I mean, Chase and Shaylee had to be like probably five and two or six and three, something like that. And without realizing it, next thing we know, they're, Chase and Shaylee are gone. And we can't find them anywhere. I mean, it, and there's been, <laughs> there's never been a time like this, but got to the place that, I mean, we were really getting ready to call 911. I mean, we had, we, I mean, the restaurant staff was looking. I mean, we're looking, I mean, it's everywhere. And just happened to go outside and I see this, this older couple and walking down the sidewalk from, I, I don't know what's there right now, but back in the day it was Julian Gold. I don't know if anybody remembers Julian Gold, but it was on the far side close to Garfield there in Midland. And I see this older couple bringing Chase and Shaley down the sidewalk. And, you know, just that, you know, I, you, know you, you want to cry and relief and then you want to beat them. But, um, <laughs> you know, but I just remember that feeling of there, what I was missing and, and there they are. And that, what, the thing, when we're talking about Zacchaeus missing something, I, I know it's, you know, when you just read the story through, you don't really catch a hold of the emotion of the word being used here. And that was the feeling inside of Zacchaeus' heart. Of, he was missing something, and he was looking for it in Jesus. I mean, imagine losing your child in a crowded mall. I mean, you're... Your heart, I mean, just everything in you would be in pursuit to find what you were missing. And that's the pursuit that Zacchaeus has. But I, as I was thinking about this, I, I think there's things that really keep us from pursuing the Lord. And I, I think one of them is, is our feeling or sense of worthiness or being worthy. And... The reality is, is if you are bought with the blood of Jesus, that makes you worthy. We don't become worthy on our own. We don't become worthy because we acted right. We don't become worthy in any kind of self-righteousness. We become worthy because of the justification of Christ dying on the cross and putting us in that place of being worthy. And so if you're here, I know you may not feel worthy, but you need to know the veil is torn, and because of the blood of Jesus, you are worthy pursuit of the Lord. But there's also another thing, and it's, I think it's conviction. And there's really two kind of connotations that we can have with conviction. Conviction tends to keep us from seeking Him more. Conviction tends to keep us from seeking him more. And I know we've talked about this recently, but there is a difference between conviction and condemnation. But I, I want to focus in on just conviction because the reality is this, is conviction is a wonderful gift from God used to turn our heart back toward him. Can, the work of conviction of the Holy Spirit in our life is a beautiful thing but the reality is, if there's sometimes when there's conviction working in our heart, we don't want to heed that. And so it puts up a barrier between us and the Lord. The Lord doesn't put that there. It's our resistance to uh, Him drawing us to Him. You know, and that, that conviction can come from disobedience. It can come from 
unconfessed sin. It can come from rebellion. It can come from, you know, enticements that, you know, James wrote about those passions that betray us and, and draw us towards sin. But listen to me. When we sense and know that God is stirring something in us, we must heed to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That's something we've always said is, is here at Odessa First Assembly. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what the situation is. If you feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit, respond. Respond. I, I know I tell this joke so often. I know it's been overdone. It's like beating a dead horse. But it, it's just a perfect illustration. You know, when I, I think about how many times, I, you know, I grew up in that little church in Big Lake and you know, one year we had a record-breaking salvations of 52, and all of them were me every Sunday. I, but listen, I'm grateful for the conviction of the Lord to continuously draw me in that place. And there's maybe some of you in here this morning, you're thinking you're too far gone. But I want you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning. He is drawing you. He's trying to pull you in. Don't dig your heels in. Heed to that. The Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So how do we seek? Very quickly, how do we seek? We worship. We worship. We worship. We also serve. Listen to me. If you are not serving, and it doesn't mean it has to be in some official capacity, but if you are not serving like, you know, being the hands, the feet of Jesus in some way in the church, you're missing out on the fullness of the presence of God in your life. That's, I said it out loud. I did. <laughs> we also, we need to clean up uh, something about the Hispanic culture that always strikes me if you, especially um, Hispanic Pentecostals, something you'll find over and over and over again, even, you know, if they're late. Come on, let's be, come on, be real. <laughs> so many times, you'll see people come to the altar and spend time at the altar before they come in and join service. And the reality is, is that the lat, you know, when I read James 4, 8, it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. The rest of that verse is, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. And I know that's a, like, that's a strong word, right? That's a powerful verse. And James is still writing to believers. But there are some times when we come in collectively to the presence of the Lord, I think it's okay to do a heart check. To do a heart check. And of course, I think one of the, probably the most important is we obey, but we seek him. The second thing is this, is we see past the crowd. I like to say it this way, there is a whole lot of static around Jesus. I, you know, we, we kind of don't live in that world anymore, but I remember, I'm just probably old enough to remember of, uh, you know, being the rabbit ears for the TV for my dad. Does anybody remember that? You know, I mean, if the I mean, some of you don't have a clue about this, but some, you know, it was before internet. We still had rotary phones. Some of us still had party lines, like we did in Big Lake. You may remember party lines. 
It's like, would you get off the phone and quit gossiping? I got to call my girlfriend. You know, we shared the phone with like 12 people. That's just just crazy, isn't it? But anyway, and so, I mean, we had this old Curtis Mathis TV. I'm talking some of your language right now. We're still, right? You know, it looked like like a buffet table or something with a tube in the middle of it and and was also, I was also my dad's remote control. Go turn to channel three. Click, right? And so, but you had to kind of fine tune that antenna to clear up the picture. And there is so much static around Jesus. Everybody's got an opinion about Jesus. The atheist has an opinion about Jesus. The casual Christian has an opinion about Jesus. Uh, religious people have an opinion about Jesus. Culture has an opinion about Jesus. Your peers have an opinion about Jesus. You have an opinion about Jesus based on past experiences of church and people and and so on and so forth and down that whole line. But I'm going to tell you, Satan will use circumstance, tragedy, storms, problems, people, trials, tribulations to change your view of God. And what you have to do in the midst of all of that, you've got to look past it all and see Jesus for who he is. So sometimes we've got to climb the sycamore tree to clear up the static. We've got to climb the seek him more tree. The Bible tells us, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I didn't have to include verse 1, but it's just too good not to. To lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. Fix your eyes on the biblical Jesus. And I I know that doesn't sound like really fancy, but the the reality is this. The only way that you're going to get to know who Jesus really is is through the revealed Word of God. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people base a lot of opinion about who Jesus is about something they feel. But what do we know to be true? Feelings will eventually betray us. Let me say it this way. Feelings will eventually lie to us. Because we will change the image of Jesus to fit where we are in life instead of seeing him for who he really is. The answer is, who do you say that Jesus is? It's easier, to look through the, it's easier to look through the circumstance when your eyes are not fixed on the circumstance or the static, but they're fixed on Jesus. When your eyes are on Jesus, it's easy to push all that other stuff aside. The third thing is this, is that Jesus sees you. So, and when Jesus came to the place, verse 5 of Luke 19, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. I love the way that Jesus' words, I must, I must. And so listen to me very carefully. Just right now, just kind of somewhere, maybe you want to write it down, but in, in, in the back of your mind somewhere, I want you to remember what we talked about seeking. And I want you to remember this statement that I must. Because it's going to be significant here in just a moment. And when Jesus came to the place, hurry down. Listen, I, the only way that I know to say this is that just to maybe as a reminder to you this morning, that if you're in the middle of that circumstance, you need to know that Jesus sees you. If you're in the middle of the battle, Jesus sees you. See, the enemy wants 
to make you think that you're invisible to God. But you are not. He sees you. He sees you in the depression. He sees you in the anxiety. He sees you in the trouble. He sees you in the problems. He sees you in the bondage. He sees you in the addiction. He sees you. He sees you in the dark of night when you think nobody else sees you and you've cried yourself to sleep. Jesus sees you. He sees you. And he just, it's just not that he sees you, but he knows you. And he knows what you're feeling. And he knows what you're going through. And he's not going to let you do it alone. But your feelings will make you think that you are. And the enemy will make you think that you're going to go it alone. But he sees you. But in the hurt, he sees you. But you know what else? In the faithfulness, he sees you. When you think nobody else sees you, he sees you. When you're making the right choices, he sees you. Psalm 33, the Lord looks down from heaven and he sees all the children of man. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. You have not been forgotten. God is not ignoring you. You matter to God. You matter to God. The eyes of the Lord are are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. But he says, I must stay at your house. And so here's Zacchaeus, and you may have heard this a dozen times over, but I mean, what we know from Scripture is that he's a, he's a chief tax collector. He's, uh, I mean, really when it comes down to it, he's actually a chief sinner, kind of like Paul wrote about himself. He's small in stature, but listen to me. Even though that he was despised, listen, even though that he was despised by his culture, and he was in the middle of two cultures. He was despised by the Romans, and he was despised by the Jews. He was a sinner. I mean, he wouldn't talk about, you know, it, listen, I, I know I may be reading between the lines, so, but listen to me. I don't think it was just by, when he said, okay, Lord, if I have robbed anybody, I'm going to give them fourfold. I, I think he was making a confession. But we know that he's a chief sinner. We know that he's short and small in stature. It's really amazing the excuses that we make and give to, uh, to, to not allow, allow the Lord to do the full work in our life that he needs to do. And he did not let any hindrance stop him from climbing that seek him more tree to see Jesus. And what we see when he encounters Jesus is the power of repentance. And so, yeah, seek him more. Know that, that Jesus, he sees us. But the power of repentance is seen in Zacchaeus. I mean, look at it. He, 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 he came down. Received him joyfully. And even all these others were creating this static and grumbling that Jesus had gone into the guest of a man who was a sinner. Jesus stood and said, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, the Lord, the, the half of my goods. I, you remember we talked about the rich young ruler last week. And 
what did Jesus ask of him? You know, he said, Lord, I, you know, I'm, man, I'm a good dude. I'm doing all this stuff right. And Jesus said, but there's this one thing you lack. Go sell all that you have and come and follow me. And I, and I just want to remind you again, the power of that statement is, I don't think necessarily in the, of the rich man going and selling all that he had, but it was in the fact that Jesus knew exactly what was keeping him from following him with all of his heart. And so here, without even being asked, he's having an encounter with Jesus. And without even being asked, what does Zacchaeus do? He offers it up. He says, Lord, half my goods. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of historians. I talked about some last week. There's a lot of historians that believe that Zacchaeus was just as wealthy as the rich young ruler. Do you remember what I talked about the rich young ruler? That they believe the rich young ruler was so wealthy that all of Jerusalem could live 10 years off his bank account. And so here's Zacchaeus, and they believe that he was just as wealthy as the rich young ruler. Lord, I'm going to give half. And matter of fact, here's where you know where repentance comes in. If I have um, defrauded anyone of anything, I restore fourfold. The first definition of repentance I heard early on in my Christian life, and maybe some of you heard this, is that Repentance is a change of mind. You know, it's a change the way that we think. I don't maybe maybe some of you have heard that definition before, and 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 it was important to me. I, I just really wanted to knew, know what repentance meant, and it is just something I studied way back in the day. And um, and then I heard, you know, you heard this so often is that you know it was a way you change the way that you think, but it's also like a. A, a direction change, right? It's like you were going this way, and then you totally shifted directions and and was going the the opposite direction. Of course, that visual kind of kind of stuck with me. And um, but the reality is this: I don't think that us as an American culture truly understand about repentance. And uh, you know when I came to the Lord. You know, I talked about those 52 times that I came to Jesus, right? It's probably a lot more than that, but, but I, I remember when it, when it finally stuck. I remember when it stuck. I remember that day when it seemed like everything changed forever where nothing had changed before. That night in February of 1994, when I was at Midland First Assembly as, as, a, as a young man, about to be 21 years old, and, and I knelt down at that pew, and I, there, was a something, there was something that just shifted. And I'm not saying I did anything right, but I remember being knelt down and just telling the Lord, God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the direction my life's going. I'm so tired of running away from you when I know you've been drawing me. And I remember just that whole encounter and then getting up that night and walking outside. And it was like, wow. 
it smells different outside. It was like colors were brighter. And I, I, it's, I still recall those moments of like, it was like for the first time in my life, I felt life. And I knew in that moment that I could never go back to where I was. I had never felt that before. Of all the times I'd prayed the sinner's prayer, of all the times that I felt like I came to the Lord, I had never had this sense on the inside of me, I can't go back. And I did. I know I make fun of it sometimes and a little facetious about it, but I did. I remember I was, I was, I was dating a, a young lady, and I mean, she was a good girl of a, of a different denomination. And, but I mean, we were both heathens. And, and, but I remember I was, I was just thinking, and, and probably on the path of, of getting married, and I, I remember that I was like, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? And I really felt the Lord. I had to end that relationship. That's the first thing I did. I left church. And I went to her house, and I knocked on the door, and she came out to the front porch, and, I, and, and <laughs> there was probably a lot of, of youth, of uh, misguidedness in this, but I knocked on the door, and I, I said, hey, I said, God touched my life tonight. I said, I can't go back to the way that I was. I said, so here's our options, is you need to get saved, filled in the Holy Spirit, and called to ministry, and then we can move forward with our relationship. And she just looked at me like a calf at a new gate, man. I mean, I mean she, she didn't know how to respond. And I said, okay, you're taking too long. See you later. <laughs> and I got in my car and I drove off. There's some of you in this room. There's some of you in this room. Listen to me. You're still in love with your past. You have, you, you've, you've kept these articles of affection in your life. You know what an article of affection is? I, ne- I nearly asked one of the kids, I should have done this, but I, you know, back when I was in school, like your girlfriend, the thing was, right, is I don't know what they do now, but uh, you know, your girlfriend wore your letter jacket, right? You say, remember those days? And you know, they put the band-aids around your, your class ring or they wore it around their neck. And uh, I, I lost a class ring once in the field because she threw it in the field. When, but anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, so I've always advocated, don't do that. But the reality is, there's a lot of us, there's some of us, possibly in this very room, and you're still wearing the world's letter jacket. And it's time to take it off. It's time to take it off. It's time to really come to a place of repentance because you are not going to experience the fullness of life until you come to a place of true repentance. I love this verse, and I'm about to close. 2 Corinthians 7, 9. I just love this whole passage. There, There were several passages I could have read, but... Well, just really quick. Well, you know what? If, if you want the rest of your blanks filled in, you can just come to me. I'm going to do that. We've we got to move forward. But I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So those other blanks there for our note writers, 
is repentance will demonstrate inward change by outward action. Repentance will demonstrate inward change by outward action. If you've come to a place of repentance, then you're going to change actions, right? Very simple. Justification, so there's these two terms I want you to know very quickly. One is justification, and what that is, is Jesus declaring us righteous in the sight of God. That's important to know. The justification, the easy way to remember it is this, justified never sinned. And so he makes us righteous. And there's this other work going on that's a transformative work about sanctification. Sanctification is the process of transformation. And the reason I wanted to bring up those two terms is to remind you justification is what brings us to a place of worthiness to experience the presence of the Lord on a continual basis. Sanctification is a process of transformation. means, yeah, when we get saved, we're new, everything changes, but sometimes things do take a process. So it's like an instant thing, and it's a growing thing. But listen to me. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I, this is a powerful verse. I love this verse. Because what we're going to see on display is the work of repentance bringing in justification and bringing in sanctification. Are you with me? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So just so you know, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. This is not P.T.'s words. It's not something I made up. They're direct, right? Or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral. What does that mean? Sexually immoral means you're not married, but you're sleeping with somebody. Nor idolaters. What does that mean? You're putting a lot of things in your life in front of the Lord. The Bible, I mean, there, there's nothing that should be put in front of the Lord. The Lord should be number one. Nor adulterers. What does that mean? That means you're married and you're sleeping with somebody else. That's not your spouse. Nor men who practice homosexuality. That's kind of obvious. Look, verse 10. This is not my list, guys. This, this, is, this is scripture. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But then we get to verse 11. Verse 11 is my favorite. And such were some of you. Is anybody a were in the house? <laughs> but, but, but you were washed. You were, listen, look at the word, sanctified. Which meaning God has set you on the transformative process. That his, he has not stopped working on you. You may not get it right daily, but he's going to eventually get it right in you. <laughs> so you were, you were, some of you were, you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified. You may have been any of these things, but now because the blood of Jesus, he has set you before the Father and said, you are righteous because of the price that I paid. Because of what I did. And I know those sins may plague your memory. 
But what I have done in you, it is just like they never happened. If God doesn't hold your sin against you, why are you holding your sin against you and allowing the enemy to hold your sin against you? I mean, you, you get it when you come to the place and, and you come to that place of salvation and repentance. I mean, it's really when God looks at you, he sees his son's blood and he says, what sin? It's not enough to follow Jesus in your head and heart. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. The fifth and final thing is this. Is that we are the sought. In such a powerful verse, right? That verse 19, Luke, Luke, Luke 19, 10. Jesus makes this announcement. For I came to seek and to save that which is lost. So listen, listen. Remember what I told you to remember? Zacchaeus seeking that Jesus said, I must. So process this. Here Jesus makes his final declaration. I came to seek. See, you are the sought ones. We are the sought ones. What does that mean? Zacchaeus was climb that tree because he knew he was missing something. We see Jesus using the same word with the same definition. Come on. <laughs> Jesus is pursuing you like I was looking for my kids at Abuelos. Remember, we see a whole nother passage of scriptures where he talks about the lost coin, the pearl of great price, the prodigal son. And so listen, Jesus is on a search. I, you probably didn't realize that Jesus was missing something. But there's some of you in the room right now, what you need to know is that Jesus is missing you. And he is on a search. He is on a search. I want you to stand with me this morning. Jesus. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more inspirational messages. Connect with us on social media at Odessa First AG. And if you'd like to support our ministry, visit odessafirstassembly.com forward slash giving. Until next time, stay blessed.